my main point. Just be targeted and yeah. the more personalization you can add, the better your ad's going to do. Spray and pray just doesn't work anymore. Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. All right, guys, welcome back to Building Great Sales Teams. I've got Shanif Danani here today. He's an AI and chat GPT consultant with a software development and data science background. That's a whole mouthful, but he does help businesses connect their systems to ChatGPT, enabling employees and customers to use large language models on their own data. He's built machine learning analytics and software systems at large companies like Twitter and Booz Allen and smaller startups as well. Janif, welcome to the show, brother. Thank you, sir. It's good to be here. I appreciate the time. Yeah, absolutely. And so I love getting, you know, because I'm in small business, right? And for the most part, you know, when you set up a small business, it is, all right, you have a, a database of, you know, people that you already know, maybe you're in home services typically is, is what I see a lot of and other service-based businesses. And then you're, you know, you're setting up the CRM, maybe you're running some ads, maybe you're doing organic social media. And so I love bringing in guests that kind of stretch our ability in, in, in thinking of what is possible. And so I'm excited to have you on the show. So ChatGBT has been a hot topic in my circles for a while now, but it's mainly around copywriting, maybe some campaign builds and inside of marketing sequences and stuff like that, you know, a little bit of social media, but it's mainly around it writing things for you in a sense, right? And so from what you've seen so far, and it's been more popular the last six months to a year, how are businesses using it well and how are they using it wrong yeah i think what you're hearing is what i've seen at least for the folks who want to get started it's really good for generating copy right like drafting an email to someone given their context or maybe writing a quick blog post it's like the most obvious way people are using it but in the past let's say maybe two or three months a lot of businesses have started to say well hmm, what what can i do that's on top of this or what more can i do or how can i use this to generate revenue so I'll give you a, a sense for what I'm sort of hearing and what I'm working on with a few businesses. There's a, there's a couple of different use cases here. So the first use case is how can I use applications that are built on top of ChatGPT to become more productive? I do a lot of work here. So that's doing things like connecting your data and using ChatGPT to summarize maybe a, a piece of a document or even search through, let's say a file or a folder that's got a whole bunch of information and just pick out the right piece of information. Uh, one of the customers I work with is a financial services firm. They've got tons and tons of documents. And so what they've done is they've used my tool to plug in all their documents and then they just chat with it on Slack and it basically finds the right answer across hundreds of pages and it sources that for them. So let's say search information retrieval, that's one way people are becoming a little bit more uh, productive. Summarization, that's how people are becoming more productive. You can also use it to do sort of data processing at a large scale. So I work with one customer who's got like 80, 82 million product reviews about stuff that people buy online. And we use ChatGPT to basically categorize those reviews. What's this review about? Is it good? Is it bad? Uh, and then build dashboards on top of that. You can also use it to do data analysis. You can do it for a lot of things. 
But like, let's say you go straight to ChatGPT's website. What are you using it for? Probably outlines or long form content. So, you know, we're starting to see the tip of the iceberg here. We're starting to go a little bit deeper, but uh, I think we're still really early stages in how businesses are going to use this to improve their operations. Man, when I think about a customer service or even a sales conversation, and you talked about, you know, it's it's organizing those reviews. I would imagine that in that same sense, you can scrape those reviews when you're having a certain sales conversation on a specific customer. And let's just say, for instance, they have a two-story home with two roofs or something like that, and you want to install solar. You could search your reviews mm. for two-story roof maybe, and then pull up uh, an existing customer that was happy with that install and they have, you know, um, a two-story roof and you could show that to the, the, the prospect in real time. That, that is just where my brain goes when you say it, it's able to kind of go through all those reviews and everything. Now, when you talk about connecting to Jet GPT using different tools, is, is that what your uh, locusive tool does basically, where it's, it's creating a command that searches uh, a, a database in order to bring, I mean, I'm probably butchering this. You can explain. No, no. no, I mean, I think you got it. You know, let's just, so what is ChatGBT, right? It's this thing that can spit out a bunch of words, but uh, it was it was trained on everything from the internet. So if you ask it a question like, hey, how many leads do I have in Salesforce? Or like you just said, hey, what's which one of my customers really has a great review for, you know, two roofs? It, it has no idea. And so what I do is I create the applications that connect your data to ChatGPT. So you okay. can start doing things like asking it those questions. Uh, you know, that data could live anywhere. It could live in your, maybe a Google Sheets. It could live okay. in Salesforce as like a note. And so what I do is I work with my customers to try to understand, hey, like, what is it that you actually want to do? You know, do you want to answer your, do you want to let your internal salespeople ask questions like this on a call and then bring up an example that's actually quite a big use case? Mm -hmm. uh, or do you want to let your customers ask their own questions on your chatbot on a website? And then wow. based on where your information comes from, I'll hook up that information to the chatbot and people can start chatting with it and get sort of trusted and, and authoritative answers uh, from your documentation and from your context. That application that you just brought up, them being able to talk to a chatbot on your website that maybe has access to your customer experiences I think is is kind of huge and and maybe it's a customer service curated uh customer experience in a sense you know if you create that database but that's massive and another way i could think about it is like we just came up with for for this podcast uh we have what we call a a toolkit episodes right um hmm. is that what we call them? toolkit i can't hear you <laughs> it's the playbook episodes Playbook episodes. There we go. So we have those playbook episodes and, you know, I, one of my team went through and filtered out all the playbook episodes and put them on a graphic, you know, but I, I imagine that took her a good oh, yeah. two hours to go because yeah. I have 220 or so wow. episodes now. And so she had to go through and, and not just pull out the ones that had playbook in the title, but make sure if it was a solo episode and it qualified as a playbook episode, she would have that understanding there, but I would imagine with all the transcriptions we have, the AI summaries, everything that we have in place, mm -hmm. your tool could scrape all that data and pull out those episodes in an instant. Yeah, thought. you know, the, 
when it comes to natural language, man, we've made so many strides in the world of AI. And so, yeah, if you've got transcriptions or if you've got meeting recordings, these yeah. are all great, great use cases for how you can use not only my tool, but like a lot of the other ones out there to improve and refine your sales process or even just your operations or logistics as a whole. Yeah. No, that's massive. And, and, you know, is this, does this go across like PD, you said Excel sheets earlier? Um, does yeah. it work for PDFs? I mean, obviously, if it works for PDFs, it works for Word docs. And then video, would it be able to scrape video and do a transcription or the transcription already needs to be done? It's such an interesting world right now. So if you think about what, you know, ChatGPT does out of the box, really mm -hmm. all it can do is read. So it doesn't right. really have access to your stuff. Now, you started to see folks build, you know, you might have heard of plugins, which are these little mm -hmm. widgets you can add to ChatGPT. You've started to see tools like mine come around where you can sort of connect with your Google account and we'll read everything. And so right. the, the the short answer to your question is, as, as always, it depends on what people have built for okay. supporting ChatGPT's natural capabilities. Most people have, you know, the simple apps out there uh, basically support you to upload a PDF and then you can start asking questions of it. But doing something like Google Drive or Google Sheets is a lot more difficult because you need to plug into their APIs. You need to refresh the data. You need to make sure users are authenticated. And mm -hmm. some tools like mine work to do all those things behind the scenes. You've also started to see some tools that can take video and audio and start to transcribe them. So out of the box, to answer your question, ChatGPT won't do that. You know, it's not, some folks are saying, well, it's going right. to come uh, because OpenAI, the folks who make ChatGPT are supposed to add this capability. Mm -hmm. They call it multimodal, the ability to handle images or video or text. It's not there yet. But you've got these other tools that are that are really good at taking video and audio and transcribing those. So once you've got those transcriptions, you can do a lot of stuff with them. But uh, you, you're starting to see a world now where you've got capabilities. Maybe some of them are spread out in different tools. Maybe some of them are consolidated into one tool. Uh, different things will do different. Different tools will do different things. But uh, it's possible right now. You just need to be able to find the right application that you need. It's exciting that that's coming too, because, you know, we've been operating, our original business was um, building sales teams, right? And now we're consulting on building sales teams. Uh, we've been doing this for 14 years. So I have 14 years of, and I, and I started in Google Drive, you know what I'm saying? Nice. So I have, I don't even know what my terabytes are up to now, but 14 years of company documents over that time. And again, if it's text, if it's PDF, Google can search it and it'll pull it up right away. But the video and the images is something that it, it still struggles with or, you know, it's going to have a hard time obviously managing. So the idea that maybe I could in one sweep kind of pull all that out and be able to make all those files searchable and be able to pull them up on different consulting clients and stuff like that and give them some frame of reference is is massive. And if you haven't noticed by now, I'm really not running a podcast right now. I'm just having a conversation with Shanif about this because it, it works beautifully for my business. And so hopefully in that conversation, you guys can hear how you can apply it to your business as well. And so um, these are some of the things that businesses are doing right with it, you know, using your tool as a database, using ChatGPT as a um, kind of the communication tool between those two tools, right? And uh what do you see people doing wrong with AI right now? You know, there's a lot of misconception around what AI can do. A lot okay. of folks want to be able to just plug in, hey, I need to generate $20 million, run my entire social media and my marketing and this and this and this. 
yeah. I, I like to say um, tools like ChatGPT or MidJourney or whatever it is, they are really good at tasks, but they suck at jobs. So what that means is like you give them one thing to do and they're designed to do that. It's going to do really well. ChatGPT can come up with an outline of an article for you. Um, you want it to do something else? Well, you're going to have to maybe provide it a little bit of context. If you say, hey, ChatGPT, write me an SEO optimized article about this feature of my product. It's going to come up with the most generic sort of nonsense that you can think about. And so what people are doing wrong is they're assuming that these tools can, can do a lot because there's so much hype around them that you just assume, well, hey, ChatGPT knows about the entire world. It should be able to write me an article about why solar panels on two roofs can save you $55 a month, right? In reality, what happens with these tools is, you might've heard of this term, they hallucinate or they make up stuff. The way that they're designed is they're designed to sort of provide full completions of sentences and make you really happy and sort of predict words that are likely to make you happy. And so what happens is if they don't have a real answer to you, to your question, they're gonna make stuff up. So a lot of people are using these tools as search engines and taking their results uh, you know, without thinking about the, the, the answers. For example, there was a famous case where a lawyer asked ChatGPT to come up with 10 example cases to support his argument and all 10 cases were made up. And so oh my he, he ran into a lot of trouble for this, yeah. Yeah. So these tools are great at a certain set of things. They're good at providing content. They're good at helping you reason through maybe a decision. They're logical. Uh, they're linear. But uh, you still need to provide enough context and content for them to do their thing. So a lot of people are basically trying to use these tools in ways that they were not designed. And then they're running into issues. Um, that's why stuff like my software helps, which is where we connect your data to the tools so that they can read that content and provide you an right. answer. That's why tools like maybe Midjourney or Dolly, the things that make images for you, that's why you need to provide sort of really good prompts and try your prompt 10 or 20 times before you'll come up with a good image. Um, you kind of have to know the limitations of these tools and work, use them to sort of work within your workflow mm -hmm. rather than thinking they're going to do everything for you. I couldn't agree more. And that's, you know, when it first came out, I saw everybody was like, oh, you have no excuse now. Because a lot of the, you know, one of the major groups I'm in teaches you how to build lead gen through uh, po just posting on social media once a day. Yep. And so right away, everybody was like, oh, you have no excuse now. You know, this can post for you. It can give you, you know, and, and the smart ones were saying outlines. And then everybody else was yep. saying, like, literally post for you, you know, and which yep. is just just silly like you can prompt it to tell stories and stuff like that but you know if i see you posting one day to the next and you're telling a fable about some business problem that you know a lot of your clients have and you know you solving it like i know you didn't post like that before you know what i'm saying and so there's a weird a weird thing that happens when you when you go all in with the writing aspect of it right but i i agree 100 with what you're saying because you know when i look at a, a product offering you know, I, I run it through chat GPT um, in terms of I, I give it a lot of context. I give it a lot of data, right? Like, hey, this is um, what we're going to do with this product. This is what we're going to offer. This is what we're going to price it for. And this is our, our principles around what we're offering, you know, because naturally, because I've done a lot of writing for the past couple of years, I've been posting on social media twice a day. I have so much content that I can feed it around a particular problem that my product is solved. So I give it context. I tell it, you know, it's a, it's a copywriter now. It's going to be writing for yeah. this particular service. And uh, even then when I get back, I'm like, oh, 
you know, I probably rewrite about 40 to 50 percent of it. And it's because it's a little too polished. It's a little too, yeah. I guess, exciting and a little too overzealous, you know. <laughs> and so like, I, I prompt back the tone and everything and do all that stuff. But it's a process, you know. Yeah. And if you have a strength in writing, you may as well just write it yourself. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you don't, it's going to give you enough to get started. And then you can edit from there using, you know, common sense, your experience and um, your history, your recent history with your product and clients. Right. And so it, it, it's like you said, if you know the limitations of the tool and you know how to execute on them, then you're going to be in good shape. If you expect to just do the job for you. And I've seen those, I've seen those TikToks and those reels oh, too, where they're like, yeah. I made a hundred grand, which had GBT last month and it did everything for me. And I'm just like, gosh, okay. <laughs> you got some clicks and views is what you got just now. <laughs> yep. 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 Man, there's so much hype around it. I actually, you know, I like you, I post quite a bit on social media and somebody once asked me, Hey, are you using, are you just posting chat GPT created content? And I say none, not a single one of my posts is ChatGPT created because like you said, it's garbage. Like yeah. it's over, overly salesy. It's nonsense. It's not specific enough, but at the same time, it's too specific. Like what you should be doing is maybe using it to help guide your thinking, create outlines. But none of my posts are social media. Uh, none of my social media posts are generated with ChatGPT. Um, do it yourself. If you've got a, a knack for writing, you're just going to have a much better result that way. That applies to long form content as well. So absolutely. So I definitely understand what you're focused on right now. You know, obviously utilizing this tool to help businesses connect their systems through ChatGBT. Let me ask you a little bit about your history and like the work you did for Twitter, for instance, because that's a name yeah. we all know, right? Um, yep. What did that look like? And, mm. you know, I get how could a small business utilize or leverage that? Yeah, man. So I think Twitter was interesting because I had a few different stints there. So when okay. we sold our company, I started off in the ads team. And what I was doing was working on the team that was trying to optimize. There's a system there that tries to predict the likelihood of every person clicking on an ad or like, you know, you've got an ad spot in the Twitter app. You want to maximize the chance that someone's going to click on that ad. So you've got this really advanced AI system that's uh, working to make those predictions. And so I did a little bit of work on that side. Um, a little bit on the technical side, a little bit on the product management side, basically trying to make the system uh, improve the way you see ads. And, and you know, it's kind of like, there's sort of two sides to working on ads. One, it's the coolest technical thing I've ever worked on. But two, it's just like, man, these are ads. God, who cares, right? So I did that for a while. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I want them on my social media. <laughs> you don't want them. You don't want them. Yeah. They're like a necessary evil. So I was like, all right, fine. I'm tired of ads. All right, so what do I do next? So like, I worked on a couple other projects. One uh, there was this product that came out called Moments, which was curated content. Uh, I was a data scientist on that team. Then I started doing data science work for their onboarding team, trying to help them figure out how you can get people onto the platform more quickly. And so I sort of jumped around, you know, a combination of both software as well as AI product management, because I've sort of done a lot of these things before and I was able to apply them at different roles to Twitter. So how do small businesses, like, what does this mean for small businesses? Who cares? The thing that I found about Twitter and LinkedIn and a lot of these social media platforms, one thing you have to know is the content that gets highly ranked or upvoted is content that generates a lot of what we call engagement. That could be a like or a retweet or a comment. This is sort of common knowledge, so it's not like I'm giving you a lot of secret sauce, but it really is like it makes the biggest difference. So when it comes to your own content, 
that's why you're you see a lot of this viral stuff like top 99 posts to make you a million dollars with ChatGPT. Right. Stuff like that does get clicks and it does get content. And it's because that's what these these platforms are optimizing for. And they're optimizing for that because the more reviews or reposts that they have on a tweet, the more ads they can show. So mm-hmm. you as a consumer, it's not good for you. But you as a producer, you can start to game the system or at least optimize that. But that's only good for like sort of short-term stuff, right? Let's say you're trying to build a business. You're trying to generate leads. You're trying to grow over the course of years. Stuff like that is going to get you poor quality followers and poor content. So the stuff that works really well is content that generates that you content that you provide, which is educational or informational or allows people to follow you over a longer period of time. Because then what happens is if you're a creator, let's say you don't care about short-term tweet tweets and reposts and things. Let's say you're a creator who's growing a business and you're trying to generate leads by producing good high quality content. A lot of times it's long form content. You're essentially building a rep for yourself and then you can build this rep over the course of a few years. And let's say after 12 months, you start to see results, but those results are organic. They start coming in, they start being paid subscribers or Mm -hmm. they subscribe to your product. And so the the real way to use Twitter and LinkedIn over the long term is to add value first. It's basically give, 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 because then when you do that enough and you show your your expertise enough, people are just going to want to pay you to do it for them, right? Nobody's going to want to do what you do because they have their own stuff to worry about. They're going to want someone who's an expert and then they're going to call on you because you're the first person to come to mind from their networks. It's, it's wild to me sometimes how we can have guests on here from completely different industries, or I I would say uh, business levels. You know what I mean? I would, I mean, you, if you work with Twitter, that's a, you know, multi-billion dollar business, right? I I mainly work with businesses between one and 10 million. Right. Okay. And so, um, but it's the same principles that are profitable, that are truly profitable and not just viral. I mean, the alignment with everything you just said was exactly what we're doing over here and exactly what I recommend my clients do in their own social media, you know, cause they've, they get, they get captured by my organic stuff. Right. And then they're, mm-hmm. they're in my, uh, sphere of influence for a little while. And then some, you know, sometimes they reach out right away. And sometimes, like you said, it's a year later after I've proven my expertise and given that insane value, you know, I have these things that I just give away, like my sales toolkit, and uh, these are, you know, mini courses that I've put together. And literally, you can do what I do if you study these things, if you learn these things, and you go and you can go and execute them. But again, just like you said, what happens all too often is you're like, okay, this is cool. I want to do this in my business, but I don't want to do it myself. <laughs> so I'm going to yeah. hire Doug. Doug's going to come in and give me, you know, the next level of expertise for my business. And, and we're going to execute together. So. Um, it's just, it's refreshing that the alignment is there a hundred percent when, when people know what they're talking about. Right. And I, and I think back to what you said about, you're going to get, um, you're not going to get quality followers, right? The things that, that go, I mean, what do we get on social media for? We get on social media to be entertained. Right. And, you know, not a lot of our friends are super entertaining. So we watch the viral stuff, you know, (laughs) and we all do it. Right. But we know that there is a base or a reason that that is going viral because it's applicable to everybody. So why people keep trying to get that base, I don't really understand. Unless you're in a very, um, yeah. very uh, sellable or wide demographic in terms of the product that you offer. 
you know, you offer like keychains or something like that. Yeah, I want that viral base, you know, but, you know, building sales teams, consulting, that's not, that's not going to, no. they're not even going to know what I'm talking about. They're going to be like, oh, just teach me some sales tricks, you know, and it's like, that's not what I do. I build sales programs, right? So it's not going to make a whole lot of sense. So, uh, again, it, it, yeah, go ahead. I'll go ahead. Sorry. No, just what you were saying was an incredibly aligned. So it was refreshing for sure. Awesome. Good to hear it. What so, else we got? This is all fun. <laughs> so when you say uh, building machine learning and, and you're talking about, you know, setting up or basically being able to predict what the most effective ads are on social media platforms. When, when we look at a small business owner, you know, getting on Facebook ads for the first time and putting in their title of their ad and, you know, setting up their budget. Do you have any advice for them when they're doing things like that from the, the data, the feedback you've gotten from your, your different consulting gigs? Yeah, my, my heart goes out to these folks because my last startup was actually a, a software tool that helped do predictive marketing. And part of that was optimizing Facebook ads. Okay. The way we did it and the thing that we, we found worked well was personalization. Um, at, and what that means is really creating audiences of people who are likely to do something and then hammering home that message to them. So what does that mean? Well, let's say you're an e-com product and you're selling different types of fashion or clothes, right? You might have a group of people who are more likely to buy tennis shoes than shirts, for example. Totally just hypothetical. Mm -hmm. The best heads. way, yeah, sneakerheads, right? Yeah. So if you're running ads to your, let's say you've got 5 million people who've ever bought from you and you're trying to run retargeting, if you're running shirt ads to all 5 million people, you're wasting a ton of money. So what we found work really well was segment your customers into small groups of what they're likely to do. Um, okay. And that's what our AI tool did. It was, we predicted what they're likely to do next. And then we would say, look, these groups of people are likely to buy shoes. Go show them ads for shoes. Or this group of people is likely to buy your granola product. Go show them ads for the granola product. And if you really are hurting, maybe send a 10% discount. Or if you don't care about discounts, you know, show them your highest product price products. We would also uh, predict who your most valuable customers are. So the point is, when you're running ads, you want to do it in a way where you are not throwing away money. You want to do it in a way where your ads are targeted. You want to make sure your landing pages match up with what your ad copy is, because then people are going to get confused if it's not. And you're going to want to make sure that you're doing it in a way that's targeted, I guess. That's my main my main point. Just be targeted and yeah. more personalization you can add, the better your ad's going to do. Spray and pray just doesn't work anymore, especially because you've probably seen this. A lot of these ads are getting really pricey and the ROAS is going way down and CPMs are going way up. A hundred percent. No, and it, it makes a ton of sense what you're saying, especially when you have a smaller budget. It's like you've got a really, you've got one shot, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so you want to be talking to the right people when you get that shot. So when you talked about this tool that was able to kind of tell them who was most likely to buy their product, is this creating, um, and, and I forget the terminology they use, but basically you create an audience, you upload the audience yep. to Facebook and um, you ask Facebook to mimic that audience in your, in who it serves the ad to. How does that, how has that actually worked for you? Or I guess, what does that process look like? Are you uplo uploading an Excel sheet from, from this, uh, I guess, data capture that you had previously? Are you uploading your own customers or how does that work? 
Yeah, there's a, there's a few ways that we made it work. So we would tap into your email systems and your, we worked a lot with Shopify. We'd tap into your Shopify okay. backend. And the first thing we would do is we just download all your data. We'd get 10 years worth of your data if, if you've been around for 10 years. If not, mm -hmm. we just get as much as we can. And we would run a bunch of algorithms on your, on your uh, customers. We'd say, okay, we know we were able to capture about 100, 120 different things about each individual customer. And we would use these algos to basically find patterns for people based on all of these 120 different things. And we would say, okay, now what are the next products that each individual person is likely to buy? And then we'd group them together based on the product and we'd come up with audiences. And this all happened on our own platform. But then we built these native connectors that would let you push these audiences to Facebook or Google. And you used to be able to use our product to basically push these people over then you would have these audiences on Google or Facebook, and then you could target them with the right message. You can also do this with existing tools. Like you could probably use a tool that's uh, similar to ours, what we used to do called Trestle, uh, Trestle Segments. They do something similar. I love the guys over there. Um, yeah. You can download your audiences to a CSV and upload it to, to, to Facebook. You can name it something like sneakerheads or people likely to buy shirts or people who love granola or people who love whatever, and then right. start targeting them. So there are a few products out there the best ones have native integrations where you click a button and the audience shows up, but you could, you should be able to download these audiences as well. And so I've got, I've got a client that does door to door sales, right? And, uh, and I did the door to door for 13 years and built out these teams for different, uh, fortune 25 companies, right? And sold their products, AT&T, DirecTV, Vivint, these, these products that sell well, home services, door to door. And, uh, so I've got, 14 years of recruiting these salespeople, you know? And so I wonder if I was able to, because one of the things we're doing right now is, all right, you can go on Indeed, you can go on these different sites and you re can recruit from there and you can put them through a sales test and maybe even some personality testing to see if they can handle the harsh conditions of door to door, right? Um, but one of the things we're doing is we're going through, uh, we're going to start marketing through Instagram and Facebook and I created the audience in there and you know, what do I know about guys that are good in sales? They're typically from a sports background, right? They are typically always interested in entrepreneurial type, you know, trends like crypto or stocks or um, multi-level marketing, you know? And so some of the, those are some of the audience catering that you can do in Facebook. And so I wonder if instead of doing that, I could take all that data from the last 14 years of hiring people, which is probably a thousand plus people and, and use it to, I guess, cater to those ads that I'm, or create that audience, that lookalike audience. That's what it was, lookalike audience. Yeah, yeah lookalikes. So we, we used to do lookalikes as well. We would find mm -hmm. people who are likely to buy sneakers and say, okay, target people who look like these. Um, yeah. But to your point, you know, it's, it's interesting. You, if you've got a good enough, data set of people who have done well and they're the type of person you want, you should be able to plug that into Facebook and say, hey, look at people, you know, target people who look like this. Mm -hmm. Now, one thing to keep in mind, I think is Facebook has a minimum list size just for privacy reasons. So I think the minimum size is actually a thousand. And so okay. if you've got a thousand people in the list, you should be able to start targeting people who look like them. And this is a really, really good tactic. Like it's one of the few tactics that still works well on social media advertising. And so if you've got that list, what you're doing is you're using data. You're using your data to find things that work well and you're replicating that. And that's exactly what I've always recommended to business owners. Uh, you might not think 
if you're a small business owner, you might think, well, I don't have data. I don't know a lot about this stuff, but it's not complicated. It doesn't have to be that crazy. You can do, th do stuff like what you just mentioned and it gets you a lot of results. It's a really good way to optimize your business. I'm curious if I don't have purchase history, you know, that maybe I'm a roofing company, right? And I just have the customers, their addresses, you know, obviously the, the roof job that we did for, and, but that's yeah. the limit to the data is we're uploading that audience into Facebook. And is it, is it connecting to those actual people on social media and then, then creating an audience based on that? You can actually, you can do that. Let's assume you've got their email addresses. You can actually right. create a list of people like exact individuals based on their emails. Mm -hmm. Now, Facebook will not let you target individual customers. Right. What they're going to do is they're going to take the email list. Facebook knows who these people are. They're going mm -hmm. to come up with audiences of people who look like these people. Mm -hmm. uh, or if your list is big enough, like let's say a thousand minimum, then you can target those people individually, but you have to target them with an ad that's, that's targeted to the whole list. Cool thing about e-commerce is you can actually add personalization by uh, like dynamically showing the right image or the right product. Um, but to answer your question, yeah, you could do this. One thing you might want to do, let's say in the case of the roofers, let's say you don't have exact information. One of the most predictive attributes that we found in my old business was zip code. So what that means is you, if you know somebody's zip code, you can tell how much they're going to spend, what they're going to buy what they're going to do. And so if you've got some of this, it doesn't, so this, this is another way of using data. You can use this type of data to improve your business as well. Uh, you don't always need down to the level of like individuals. It's great to have it, but if you don't, there are other things you could do. So I just wanted to throw that out there in case it's helpful for your, for the listeners. No, that's, that's massive. Cause a lot of uh, targeting is done by zip code because they can only service certain areas, you know? So if yeah. there's certain zip codes that are more likely to purchase higher end products, higher end material, you know, backyard pools, that type of stuff, yeah. then, then they're going to be able to target those zip codes first. So that's massive, I think, for the listeners for sure. Okay. That's huge. Yeah. So what are you, I guess, in this space that we're in now, where, where more and more business owners are, are using these tools, what are, you, what are you excited about and kind of where does your product and business fit in? Yeah. Yeah, I've been working on this stuff for a long time now. You know, AI yeah. used to be very simple. It used to be, well, you give me a data set of customers and I'll predict what these customers are likely to do. That's what I used to do. Yeah. AI is moving really quickly now. So, you know, you guys have seen ChatGPT. You guys have seen these image creating softwares. You've probably seen tools that can record your meetings and take notes. We're entering this world where a lot of really interesting things are going to be able to be done automatically uh, using these tools. So what I'm really... What I'm really interested in and excited about is where does this automation go, right? Like you might be a, I've heard a lot of stories now how you might be a team of two, but you're running a $20 million business. And you can do that because you've got all of these automation tools at your disposal. And so part of me is like, okay, how are these tools going to work? What are they going to do? What are the, how are people going to use them? I, I'm interested in thinking about that and building those tools. So right now I'm building a tool where, you know, we've started with a simple information retrieval problem where you plug in your all your data sources like Salesforce and Google Drive or whatever, you can search any of your data. But down the line, my hope is that instead of saying, hey, how many leads do I have in Salesforce? You could say, update John Doe in Salesforce, set his contact information to this, mark this note, and then write him an automatic email in two days. And my tool will be able to support that. And so I think we're going to a world where you've got a lot of really interesting automation capabilities coming up. Uh, people don't recognize those possibilities yet. I think we're still a couple of years away from it. 
And so I'm sort of building towards where that puck is going and, and skating to where that puck is going. That's incredibly exciting. And let me tell you why. <laughs> so I pretty much inadvertently or directly manage salespeople for a living. And one other thing they are horrible at is updating the CRM. So if they could just go to their phone, open up that tool and do a voice memo to that tool, basically giving it instructions on what to do in the CRM. Yeah. Uh, we got, we got the sales management tool of the year. I'm, <laughs> I'm not kidding right now. That is massive. I mean, and it's, it's, it's wild to me because I understand the data or what the data does for you. If I, if I go knock on a hundred doors, I know that I'm going to get two sales that day, right? If I make 50 phone calls, you know, one sale that day, if I, if I go to a networking uh, event and I make 20 contacts, you know, that, you know, are and 10 are qualified, I make, I may make one B2B sale uh, the following week. You know, data is always going to give me the top end activity resulting in, in the bottom end sale, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the fact that we have such a hard time getting salespeople just in general, because they are, they're very in the moment, they live in the moment and, and that's why they're so good at what they do. And I understand that because I've been, I've, I get caught up in that too. I still have entries that I need to put in my CRM today. <laughs> and so I've been putting them off and I, and I need to go and get that done. But if, if I could, if I could just pull up my phone and it was connected to my go high level account and I was able to tell it, you know, Hey, enter a new lead into the system. This is their name. And of course there's going to be some, you know, you may have to go back and fix stuff, but in the moment when I'm going from call to call door to door or uh, business to business, you know, I don't have time to do all that, I guess, uh, uh, tedious stuff. And I can just, that, that tool connection would be massive, you know? And like, it's like you said, searchable docs is, is, is cool and everything, but that's more stuff for me to nerd out on as yeah. the operator in the business or the integrator. Um, but for, I think a sale, any salesperson would be incredibly yeah. excited about yeah. that, especially if it connected to Siri, you know what I mean? Yeah. Cause then, then we're just the pass through from Siri to the CRM. You know what I mean? That would be incredibly massive at that point, you know? And then at that point, Apple's buying your, your company. <laughs> you <laughs> it's coming, I'm man. I'm yeah. telling you, all this stuff is coming. We're at the earliest stages of it. I think we were at the earliest stages of it, of it last year. We're starting to see subtraction now. But, dude, I, I hear you. I work with a couple of sales guys, and they're great yeah. at closing deals, but, like, keeping records up to date is not, it's not the strong suit. So <laughs> we're going to start to see a lot of these automation tools come around. And I think you know, if you if you're a person who knows how to use these tools properly, your job's going to get a lot more productive and efficient. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's going to be incredible. Another another buyer might be Go High Level, you know, or um, Salesforce, or uh, any of these other HubSpots. Another one, you know, they they would yeah. plug it into their system, charge you a hundred bucks a month for it. And now all your your salespeople yeah. could just voice memo into the CRM. Woo. Yeah, that's sexy for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> awesome. All right. Last, last couple questions here. And we always like to pivot and sometimes it gets personal and you can keep a business if you want, but what does legacy mean to you and what legacy do you want to leave behind? Dude, that is, that's a great question, man. That's probably one of the top three questions I've been asked for me. Legacy means building something that improves people's lives and um, remains over time. So for example, like people rag on IBM as a tech, as a tech uh, company, but they've been around for like over a hundred years and they've done a lot of interesting things. What I would love to do is build an application that helps people 
somehow saves time, saves money, helps generate revenue. And that sticks around for more than just six months or a year. You know, I want to be at a point where I'm sort of passing on and the company I've built is still living. So for me, legacy means building something that positively affects people, you know, when it comes to the professional side of things, which is really where I spend a lot of time as a startup founder. I'm always thinking about work, building something or an application or a company that helps people in the long run. Um, so I don't know if that was a little bit too vague or nebulous or whatever, but that's sort of how I think about, about legacy. Um, mm -hmm. at least the first thing that comes to mind. Now, if I ever have kids, that might change, but for now, that's what yeah. my head's at. No, it makes a ton of sense. And, and with your skill set and everything that you're doing right now and, and, you know, connecting that prompt to the CRM, I mean, that's easily going to be that thing, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? In my <laughs> mind, but I'm in, I'm in the sales space, so I understand the amazing utility of it. Um, it's definitely going to get bought and relabeled if you're not careful. So they may throw some money at you that you can't resist, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then, yeah. and then at that point, your name won't be on it, but you'll, you know, everybody will know who originally built it. Right. And so now I, I, I love it so much. <clears throat> I appreciate you coming on the show. A uh, ton of insight into AI chat GPT and everything that we're doing right and wrong and how we need to be utilizing it as well as what we have to look forward in the future. So I'm excited about that as well. It's fascinating, man. I appreciate you having me on the show. I had a great time. Thank you so much for the chat. I think that the world's going to be really cool uh, in the next few months and few years. All right, brother. Let's get building. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. We appreciate it. Be sure to execute on everything that you just heard and let's get building. Before we sign off, we'd like to invite you to join our Brickyard community. Head on over to jointhebrickyard.com. Again, that's jointhebrickyard.com or click the link in the description to find out more.